When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. rocking tomorrow afternoon. I'm not sure we have been in a bigger game than the one that we will have. The first college football playoff rankings came out a few days ago and look what we have here. Number one, Tennessee taking on number three, Georgia. Square it off tomorrow in Athens. I want to punish them for four quarters. You make them remember coming in the stadium to play your ass. Go fight, strain, and compete your ass off. Strike and attack. And he don't change this. Inside the pylon, touchdown. You lean on him now. They ain't like nobody like y'all. He's got it at the 10 yard line. Crank up blocking time. Lean on him to the guys you will see here in Athens this absolutely weekend. this game guys is going to go a long way to determining who the four teams in the college football playoff are in fact ESPN analytics give Georgia a 75% chance to beat Tennessee on Saturday and when you look at the tail of the tape one of the biggest reasons is the defense FPI has the Vols defense ranked 41st entering this week compared to the Bulldogs' top-ranked defense. Now, Tennessee does hold... Might as well not even play the game. We're good. In offense. <laughs> all these numbers. We throw all these numbers at you. Why do they even play the game? Exactly. Tennessee has the edge in offense, but not enough to make them the favorite in this one. So, David, I will start with you regarding Tennessee and Georgia. How would you describe the playoff impact between these two teams in this game? It's significant. I just wonder what the analytics said about Tennessee being where they're at right now, being undefeated. Probably yeah. not pretty strong. So, they've, they've had an undefeated unbelievable season um, but obviously playoff ramifications the winner is going to represent the sec east in the sec championship game and if if it's tennessee tennessee has already played alabama tennessee's already beat alabama so that will be taken into account so if tennessee passes this test they looking good for making the college football yeah, no doubt but tennessee beat alabama in knoxville so if they do get a chance to play a second time it'll be a neutral site so to speak because it'd be a college playoff game so i think that well no it'd be the sc championship game yep. so that's a neutral site game for both teams basically right? a playoff i think game, georgia right. needs this win though they needed more than tennessee because tennessee got the big win over alabama which you know we were there for that game and uh, that pretty much catapulted hendon hooker into the number one slot for the heisman he's the favorite right now so I think Georgia needs it a little bit more. Concerned at all about a loss, though, carrying a loss in? I know in the playoff um, era of the 32 teams, and Marissa gave me this earlier today, 20 have had a loss on their resume. So it's not as though a loss in this game automatically eliminates you from being a playoff team, Des. 
I mean, I don't know if it automatically eliminates you, but it makes your road a little harder to get into the final four. And that's the, um, you know, that's what, that's what we're here about. That's what we're here for. We want to make sure this, whichever team wins, I think has the best chance to get into the SEC championship game. And if you win that, then you win the, uh, then you're getting the college football playoff. But outside of that, you know, there's so many other moving parts. And I had David and, and Joey and, and Kirk. For real. And they do a good this? job on Tuesday nights. <laughs> <laughs> you got it right. They do such a great job. Like, it's like mind blowing. And the, the analytics that you guys have to deal with. Now, and Joey was talking about. What one of those analytics that you guys got to deal with? It's like I don't know, like strength of strength record, of, strength of record, which we don't really know what it means. Yeah, I'm like, still trying to figure that out, bro. Yeah, I'm like, a, there's yeah. a lot to it. Yeah, it's crazy. They do throw a lot of things at you guys, but last year alone, we look at three of the four teams that had one loss. So getting that one loss on your resume doesn't necessarily eliminate. Well, you well normally, you, if you get that one loss early in the season. I think one loss late can really do some damage to you. And one loss now when you're talking about all three of these teams being from the same conference. Mm -hmm. And that will be a different animal. Not too early, though. We'll get into that as the show goes on. Each team in the college football playoff top ten are in action tomorrow, including two top ten matchups. One of them we just talked about. The other is, of course, Alabama LSU. Bama number six matching a low point for the Tide in the initial college football playoff rankings. Their opponent on Saturday, LSU, is the fifth two-loss team to be ranked in the initial top 10 of those rankings, which brings us to today's road test presented by Goodyear. Playing on the road at LSU is great news for the Tide, because since the stadium opened in 1924, Alabama's 757 win percentage is the best any team to make at least 10 trips to Death Valley. Take a listen to this. Daniels fakes the give, runs to the 10, 5, and into the end zone, touchdown you need a complete dual threat. He can run the ball very well. Knowing that he, can, he has that versatility to, to run and throw, it keeps us humble in practice. Quarterbacks playing really, really well. They've got great balance. They've got three really good running backs, and they're very efficient and effective in the way they're executing the offense and the things that they do. Quickly, they get it open. It's intercepted. This is Will Anderson Jr. Front seven is very, very good. Obviously, they got Will Anderson going up against them, and then the defensive back. They're going to force us to make those type of throws and make big plays in order to beat them. Start with Anderson, an elite defensive player, elite in terms of not only his ability to rush the passer, but what they ask him to do, he does a little bit of everything. On the other side, Turner is, is an outstanding football player. You've got problems on both sides. Another huge game, obviously, LSU trying to upset Bama's season and obviously uh, ease their way into the SEC championship game. What do they have to do tomorrow, Des, in order to get that done? You know, what I like about this game is that they both got a common opponent. Like, both teams played Tennessee. And Tennessee went down to Baton Rouge and, and ran LSU out of their own stadium. <clears throat> and obviously, they played host to Alabama. And that was just a, you know, that game was decided by a last-second field goal by um, Tennessee. So, I think that when you look at the way that Tennessee, you know, just did what they did to LSU at their stadium, man, they, they have to stop the pass because they could not stop a nosebleed that day. So, they're going to have to stop the pass. Uh, Bryce Young is healthy now. He's good to go. And I think they're going to try to air the ball out. And they, you know, they got Jameer Gibbs, too, as a running back. He's a, he's a special player. So I think Freak. they're going to have to, yeah, try to try to contain that Alabama offense. How much more would we talk about Jameer, Jameer Gibbs if he play, if he if they were still undefeated? I think he'd yeah. still be that guy we're talking about. I mean, he's been unbelievable. He's for incredible, this bro. He's incredible. But, but you're, I like it. I like the common opponent thing because yeah. it is real. And, and can we be honest, too? Like, who's really LSU beaten to be 10? 
If he don't miss, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you consider it, right? that a yeah. large win, and, and they, they got two L's too. They barely beat Auburn, and they barely beat Florida. Yeah. So I, I just I want to see if Brian Kelly's accent changes and he's ready for this smoke because it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. Exactly. It is a matchup between the two winningest coaches in FBS in Brian Kelly and Nick Saban. Kelly has not had the recipe though against Saban. He is 0-2 in those two matchups. Do not miss Bryce Young in number six Alabama against Jaden Daniels and the number ten LSU Tigers in a huge SEC West matchup. Coverage begins tomorrow night, seven Eastern on ESPN and of course on the app. All right, we're going to take a flashback here to the last time Clemson and Notre Dame played oh, yeah. in the regular season. You remember this one, guys. DJ Uwe Ungalale stepped in for Trevor Lawrence, who was injured. And this one, back and forth and back and forth. And ultimately, Look it goes that. to overtime. What do you remember about this one, David? This is when DJ was like, we were like, oh, he's going to be that dude yeah, before exactly. the struggle. Stepped in, yeah. threw the ball all over the yard. Little angle, nice little, nice little slant right there. He was running the football. He was showing you a little bit of everything. You thought he was going to be the next. We're like Clemson's offense is going to be in real good hands moving forward. This oh. is the truth. Byron Williams can said throw it, can run too, but um, yeah. Notre Dame got Notre the victory got in that job. one in two overtimes. And yes, DJ Uwe Ungolale took a step backwards, but he has certainly started to mature and move forward nice in his career as well. Undefeated Clemson favored to win in each of their four remaining games. That according to ESPN FPI. And tomorrow's matchup against. Notre Dame is the only one in which they have less than an 82% chance of victory. Analytics gives the Tigers a 33% chance to win out the second highest in FBS behind Ohio State. David, they have Notre Dame, but what is the biggest hurdle remaining on Clemson's schedule? Is it Notre Dame or something after them? I think it is Notre Dame, but remember, too, the last time we saw Clemson, they were playing the quarterback carousel, and I'm just very interested to see how this thing pans out. So, I do. I think Clemson, when you talk about balance, when you talk about what they've accomplished so far, they've beaten three ranked teams. They've yeah. they've got balance on offense. They've got they've got a really good defense. But now, kind of unsettled. I'm interested to see, you know, what the quarterback situation looks like. I yeah. I, I don't think Notre Dame's great, but I think Notre Dame's physical yeah. and can meet that physical challenge of the run game. And and then Clemson's gonna have to throw the football. Yeah, Notre Dame is a formidable opponent. Um, but I tell you what, you hit it on the head. We're talking about the quarterback situation. I mean, don't forget, Kate Klubnik came in. And, and he helped them win that last game when it seems like, you know, Syracuse was giving them that work. And then Syracuse aided them, too, with some bad, bad penalties late in the game. But anyway, so that's going to be something to keep a look on. Is it going to be DJ Uyunglele or would it be Cade Klubnik? Well, who's going to start and who's going to finish that game? That's going to be important. And you look at the matchup in the trenches, too. Obviously, Clemson is very, very strong up front defensively. And Notre Dame's offensive line, they're built to push people out of the way. So the line of scrimmage, especially when uh, Notre Dame has the ball going up against the Clemson front, that is one of the best fronts in uh, college football, that's going to be something to keep your eye on, too. Their schedule not all that strong going forward. I know they have Louisville on the schedule, Miami on the no, schedule, North, South Carolina. North Carolina is going to be their biggest test in the, in the ACC, ACC championship, championship game. That's yeah. right. And if they do oh, win out... And the ACC championship game. You calm down. Take your shirt yeah, off. Twist around yeah. It's been a like a hell of like this when we start doing shows in Athens. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm going to drive home a little, a little bit. Loose. 
stuck in the band. Quoting song lyrics for us. They yeah. do give the Tigers a 95% chance to reach the playoff, which probably explains why. Oh, it's right done. Now, Put them in. They are in the top four. Relax. We're not getting ahead of ourselves here on College Football Live. Let's go to the Big Ten because we do have a matchup. Um, undefeated Michigan and Ohio State both received top five ranks in the initial voting. The Buckeyes hold a higher rank in part because they have the better strength of record. There's one of those numbers you were talking about, Des. That according to ESPN Analytics. And a slightly higher average margin of victory. Can either Ohio State or Michigan afford to lose a game in the regular season, Des, and still make the playoffs? Ohio State's at number two. Georgia's at number three. The disrespect, Bulldogs. The disrespect. <laughs> wow. Hey, they agree with the you. The disrespect. They agree. Man. They agree with I mean, you're, you're playing SEC schedule. What? So I don't think that um, Michigan can afford to lose. It's apparent and obvious by um, the initial rankings that came out Tuesday night that the committee does not like Michigan's uh, non-conference schedule, I guess. Everything else falls in line, but just that one metric or, I don't know, analytical, however you want to look at it, it doesn't jive well with the committee. So I think that Ohio State seems to be in great position because they're number two. Like, they're number two above the reigning national champ, the Georgia Bulldogs. And Michigan's at five, so they can't afford to lose. Ohio State, I would think that they could, but realistically, um, that last game, if they go into the Michigan game undefeated and they lose that game, to me, I don't see how they could get into the Big Ten championship game. If you're not in the Big Ten championship game, the committee is going to do a disservice to a lot of teams if they still put them in the college football playoff. Yeah, and there's there's all these ifs, ands, and buts. But, I mean, the loser of, of Ohio State and Michigan is probably out. But that's also, you know, you've got Georgia, Tennessee, and Alabama. And how does that shake out, too? So there's a lot of things against it. But Des is absolutely right. The non-conference schedule was a point of contention for the committee when you talked about this week. That's why they had Clemson over Michigan, even though you could tell Michigan's a bit of a more dominant team, you know, throughout their schedule. But I think Ohio State and Michigan, both of them, whoever loses, I think will be out. Des, you were talking about common opponents earlier when we were having the SEC conversation. you got a common opponent in these two teams as Penn well. State. Do you think that Penn contributed State. to how the committee looked at Ohio State and Michigan as well? If that contributed to it, then, Ohio, then Michigan goes higher because Michigan controlled so that game against Penn State. And, and, I mean, ah. Ohio State, they struggled. I mean, if um, JTT doesn't have the game of his life, they may not have walked out of there with that dub. So um, I don't think that they really cared about the common opponent. No. When no. you talk about no. the strength of schedule, strength of record, et cetera, Ohio State has something Michigan does not a win against a top five opponent. It was Notre Dame at the beginning of the season, but they do that have counts. that. It does count <laughs> in the grand scheme of things when they put it all together. Yeah, there's a lot decisions. of things that count. You know, you can look at a lot of things. A lot, but the eye test is, the, is, to me, the greatest you know, metric for me is that Michigan played Colorado back in like '95 when the Colorado used to be really good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Colorado is nothing to write home about this year, y'all. Still to come on College Football Live, we dive deeper into the strength on strength matchups here in Athens this weekend. Headed Hooker and that stingy defense from the dogs. Plus, we head out west to continue the playoff talk. What has to happen for Oregon or USC to make some noise down the stretch? Heisman Update is brought to you by Nissan, premier partner of the Heisman Trophy. With a four-touchdown game against Kentucky, head
Hendon Hooker is now the favorite to win the award, according to Caesars Sportsbook. Hooker has 21 passing touchdowns on the season, second most through eight games in program history. And I bet y'all can guess who number one is. That's right, Peyton Manning, the sheriff. He had 23 on his way to finishing as the Heisman runner-up in 1997. For more inside the numbers on this Tennessee-Georgia matchup, here's the Bear, Chris Felica. Saturday's showdown in Athens between Tennessee and Georgia is the second regular season meeting between top 10 teams, 8 and all were better in the college football playoff era. The other, 2019, when number one and underdog LSU went to Alabama and won 46-41 en route to winning the national championship. It's the kick on the way, and it's good! And here they come, the student section mobbing the field. What jubilation in Big Orange country! No team in the country has put together a stronger resume of victories than Tennessee. With a win on Saturday, the Vols would become the fifth team to record six wins against AP-ranked opponents through its first nine games of the season, joining 1960 Iowa, 1995 Ohio State, 2011 LSU, and 2016 Alabama. In order to get the win, Tennessee, ranked first in scoring offense, will have to do it against the best defense it's faced this season. Georgia is allowing 10.5 points per game this season and held Oregon, which is fifth nationally in scoring at 42.4 points per game, to a single field goal in the season opening. The Bulldogs have not allowed an opponent to score 30 points at Sanford Stadium in 37 straight games. However, the last team to do it was Tennessee in 2016. Pass is going to be caught by Tennessee. Tennessee wins! Spotted by Tennessee, Jawan Jennings. The last time the Vols beat Georgia. And Tennessee has a streak of its own, scoring at least 30 points in 11 straight games. Here's the best tight end in the country, Brock Bowers. Look at the tight end go! Touchdown! Wow! Georgia's offense presents problems for Tennessee as well, notably at the tight end position. The Bulldogs have run 360 plays this season with multiple tight ends on the field. On those plays, the Bulldogs have averaged 6.5 yards per play and scored an FBS best 34 touchdowns. Tennessee has had its issues defending tight ends, and here comes Brock Bowers and company. Saturday's winner won't quite clinch a spot in the SEC championship game, but it would have to lose twice not to, making it the biggest game of the season. Thank you very much, Bear. So the authority, Pete Thamel, is calling this the game of the century wow. this season. Yeah. Meaning that we have these types of big games. Maybe not That's good. I'm glad he did that because I was about yeah. to make fun of him. Exactly. We've we got to yeah. stop at that game of the century. So Every single year. Des, how would you size up the matchup between Tennessee's offense, which we have talked a lot about and looks yeah. very explosive, very dynamic, and Georgia's tough defense? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. It's the, uh, the game within the game. I mean, you're looking at Kirby Smart and this defense. Obviously, they to me, they've, they've had an opportunity to get some really good game film now on Tennessee, watching them against Florida, watching them against LSU, and of course, 
watching this offense against Alabama's defense. So you know what their tendencies are. You know what they do well. And you know how you're going to try to defend them. So because they got such good footage, I like this defense. It's aggressive defense. They got stars all over. Now, Nolan Smith, you know, he's a big loss for the dogs. But they recruit well. They coach well. They develop guys. So I expect someone to step right in and maybe not be as productive but productive enough to give them what they need to be competitive defensively. Yeah, and they've got they've got 10 to 12 guys that you really trust on the D-line that you can play. That's great. And they're not just guys. That, you, you turn on the tape and you're like, all right, who's this guy? Then you watch like 97 come in the game. And you're like, all right, he's yeah. tossing people around. Like, who, yeah, yeah, they've yeah. got a lot of defensive guys that can play the game. Uh, Jalen Carter is the most dominant defensive force in all of college football from the inside defensive tackle spot. Yeah. He's back healthy. That's so this good. defense yeah. creates turnovers. The biggest thing is, to me, is are they going to pressure the quarterback? I don't think it's near as good at pressuring the quarterback as it was a year ago. Yeah. Now, the secondary is better. But, listen, this is just like tennis. Can you hold serve? Like a couple times against yeah. Tennessee. Like that's what Because Tennessee, this is a great defense. Score well, Tennessee's going to get there. Like they yeah. score they well. are going to get theirs, absolutely. So Bear mentioned a few moments ago that Georgia hasn't allowed an opponent to score 30 on them at home since 2016. Y'all remember who the quarterback was of Tennessee that year? 2016? Uh, uh, 2016? Alabama quarterback. No, Tennessee. Tennessee. He said it was Tennessee. Tennessee. Uh, I have no idea. Josh Dobbs. Y'all remember Josh Dobbs? The engineer. Smart guy. Exactly. Smarter than me a lot. He's still in the NFL right now. Tomorrow on College Game Day, inside look at Georgia tight end Brock Bowers got his steps in during the COVID lockdown. A one-on-one with reigning Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young, where he discusses his relationship with Nick Saban. And five-time entertainer of the year and Georgia native Luke Bryan will be this week's uh, guest speaker. You guys like Luke Bryan here? Oh, yeah. Killer, killer Mike was the fellow. Let's kick out to the Pac-12 for a minute. Oregon USC both have less than a 10% chance to reach the college football playoff. So you're telling me there's a chance. Oregon holds the edge in strength of schedule. USC has the larger average margin of victory. David, which those two teams you put your money on that has a better chance to be representing its conference at the end? I think it's USC because USC doesn't have that 46-point loss to Georgia. I've been super impressed with Oregon. Their turnaround, and they've proved me wrong, and they've done a great job. I just think... I think that is going to be a big deal. I agree with you because um, earlier we talked about Oregon, and as they said, that no team has ever lost their first game and made it to the college football playoffs. So not only did they lose their first game, but they lost very ugly to Georgia. So I think it has to be USC, even though I would say that I think that the um, I think that the Oregon loss was a little bit better because it came against the defending national champs. But has anybody ever worn a dashiki on a Friday on a college football live? This guy. <laughs> What's your, what'd your wife say about that? <laughs> she said, never again. <laughs> she said, this is what happens when I don't have to. Thanks for hanging out with the nah, Pop Football Live.